Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. Join Chris and Drew, two self-proclaimed booze pundits with a lifetime of industry experience as they walk you through the alcohol business and how today's headlines affect the industry. Each week, the guys will be joined by a special guest that will help them break down these stories and offer their own expertise to the podcast. So, pour yourself a glass of your favorite drink and sit back. This is the Good Bottle Podcast. What is up, y'all? This is Chris Sinclair. I am your host of the Good Bottle Podcast, and I'm joined by my boy, my homie, my brother from another mother, Mr. Drew Garrison. Hey, guy. How are you? That felt very, like, wrestling-esque. It was uh, it was perfect. I mean, everyone's talking about wrestling right now. You know, um, a lot of controversy in the wrestling world over the past week. So I've become the um, I've become a person. A lot of people reach out to. There's always there's always three things that like that people are going to to reach out to me about um, spirits being being one of them, obviously. But then um, wrestling and Batman. Like those are the other things that that I get a lot of. Oh, and then you know, and occasionally if something happens to the Jets, which is also a really terrible situation. Um, I remember one time I came back to uh, the gym locker room after a very intense workout, and I had something along the lines of like thirty to thirty-five like text messages, and I just was like, okay, either something has happened to the New York Jets or somebody died in my family. It's one of the two things, and sure enough. Geno Smith got knocked out in the locker room, broke his jaw and ended his season during like preseason of that New York Jets football season. So I was like, I was like, oh, there you go. When you're the only Jets fan that people know, they reach out to you and and tell you about that. Um, But I'm excited, man. We had a we had a really cool week uh, in terms of the future of the podcast and some of the things and partnerships that we're going to be entering, which which we're still hammering out some of the details, but we're very, very excited about. Um, that kind of coincided with with working with a buddy of ours on kind of cleaning some stuff up and becoming a little bit more professional with it too. So I'm uh, I'm really excited for the future of the Good Bottle Podcast. You know, we we had some really good listeners uh, interaction last week, and I look forward to uh, to doing doing more of this show and stuff. And, and tonight's going to be no different. I, I'm actually I'm actually very excited um, because this is someone that we probably should have had on like seven times by now. And and we haven't for some for some dumb reason. But um, they are the co-owner of Fluid Concepts, which is a company that Chris is very familiar with and also the company helps produce this podcast. They are the owner of Modified syrups company which you would have heard a very very sensual commercial a couple of weeks ago on the show um he is a journeyman bartender he's been everywhere uh currently you can find him at brunch at the shady lady he is a fellow one and dunner in the child rearing department so he's just <laughs> like chris and i and he's actually one of the few people who's been very supportive of the decision as well chad brown Welcome to the podcast, the Good Bottle Podcast. Finally, we got you on here talking with us, and um, thank you so much, man. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, and then what are you sipping on right now? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, thank you for always the uh, immaculate introduction. Uh, I think you've mastered that uh, in the <laughs> coming episodes, which is great. Um, yeah, Chad Brown, you know, I mess with food concepts. I have a syrup company. It's cool. Um, been bartending around Sacramento from all my life. So, 
what I'm drinking on, actually, I want to get this out of the way because I'm going to probably butcher the crap out of it, uh, is the, the Panu Park. Um, Panu des Chartentes. Oh, my God. This is know. wonderful. I got this, I, I got this at Good Bottle. And uh, it's delicious. It, it's a low ABV. What Chad yes, is what Chad is trying to say, or what he's trying to name it, is uh, <laughs> Pinot de Chiron. <laughs> that was yeah, amazing. Yeah, see, that was yeah, fantastic. I'm super American, beautiful. and <laughs> you know, I know I, I've heard in the past of Drew butchering some names, uh, which he still does far better than me. But I knew I was going to totally. I actually practiced it, and I still sounded horrible. So it's... I figured I'd get it out of the way. It's, it's just one of those things, man, like, you know, I sit here and I'll have the conversations with people and I'll, and I'll write out how I'm supposed to say it. And then push comes to shove and like, you're getting recorded and it's going to go out to into the ether. And then like, I fall apart <laughs> and I'm just kind of like, nope, this yeah. is how I'm saying it on here. And, yeah. um, you know, similar, similar to the hard stop on the, on the intro music, and just some of our, as, as we've come to learn now, our recording style is known as raw. We do it raw, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because we don't yes. edit. Yeah. We're all about we it, We don't edit anything. And so that's how it was described to us this week by, you know, hopefully our, our potential future partner where he just was like, you know, so like, you know, do you guys clean it up? Do you, do you take out some of the pauses, the ums or anything like that? And I was like, no, we just, we release it as is. We think it's a little bit more natural and there sometimes maybe we could clean it up, but we just feel it's more natural. And he's like, he's like, oh, so you guys just do it raw. And I just was like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I guess, <laughs> yeah. I guess baby likes it raw. So I'm also drinking a, a cool kids, juicy IPA, which I can totally pronounce. Uh, it's a Cali craft beer. One of my favorites. Nice. It's, it's good. <laughs> nice. Well, so, so Chad, why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, the modified search company, I'll, I'll say this, um, you know, two things and, you know, about you just in, in terms of my, my personal experience. One, you were one of my original friends in this industry. Like you were, you were so nice to me when I first broke into it and have continued to be such a good person. Um, and I just, I can't, I can't emphasize enough, like how welcoming you were to a guy who didn't know what the hell was going on. Um, and then second, and I know Chris will back this, back me up on this one, quite possibly the, one of the most talented syrups makers just in Sacramento, potentially that I know out of anybody over the past couple years. So to see you actually finally take this talent and then put it out into the world and, and brand it, like I'm super excited about it. So, um, I guess maybe what I'm trying to say is like, what took so long? Uh, you know, I don't know. You know, <laughs> but first of all, thank you very much. That's very nice. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I've had my uh, my run in the cocktail competition world, and I've always enjoyed um, kind of giving depth to whatever cocktail I'm making through syrup. And, you know, during the pandemic, I had a lot of downtime, and I just decided to kind of develop it a little more and... Um, I'm having a lot of fun with it and you know, I appreciate all the positive feedback I've gotten and it's just, I'm finally ready and you know, I'm pushing myself to get it out there and, and show people what I got, I guess. So, so, so far, what are the offerings that people are able to, to pick up? Uh, technically so far I just have two. 
Uh, I have a hibiscus tea syrup uh, and a green tea syrup. Uh, all, all of our syrups are strictly tea-based. Um, tea is just a wonderful you know, addition to give depth to any syrup. Uh, and of course, there's other ingredients involved in there, but <clears throat> tea just, just is a good platform just to go off of. So I have the hibiscus and the green tea syrup right now. Uh, I'm currently trying to develop at least two more. Um, you know, when I'm official, official, as far as getting all my papers straight, I want to come out with at least four SKUs and, you know, just show the world, you know, bartender, uh, restaurant tour, home bartender, whatever, whatever I can get my hands on, you know, show them that it's easy to make a great in-depth cocktail with just a few ingredients. So that's kind of my goal here. I love it. And, you know, hopefully when that time comes, you add a, you add a couple more SKUs. Um, we can, we can put a word into the higher ups at JVS and get some dope, dope syrups and distribution for you out there. So oh, definitely, definitely. That would, that would be awesome. Um, Christopher. Yes, sir. What are you drinking? Um, I am, uh, having a big no-no tonight and i am i'm primarily drinking water i've been chasing a migraine for the last like four days and then i spent the day out in the heat playing horseshoes with uh mr chad brown uh and uh i needed to make sure that i was hydrated and uh focused for our podcast so i'm, I'm drinking water tonight uh you know sometimes you just got to do it that's okay. That's understandable. I mean, usually when I drink water on here, I just lie and still push something for you, but that's fine. That's really can... sweet. That's uh, that's really nice of you. You know, I, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just bad at that. And people, I think people know that they get an honest response out of me and uh, they, uh, they realize that you're full of shit now. So that's great. Right. Right. Well, they're going to, they're going to tell tonight. I'm not, um, I'm definitely not taking it easy. I, uh, I had a very, very stressful day and night um with my with my three-year-old who just uh i guess just for lack of a better phrase just drove me to the bottle so (laughs) um but but i got a um i don't i don't know i don't know why but i just was really feeling cognac tonight so i did the ferran the ferran 10 generations which is um not only just a gorgeous gorgeous bottle itself um so i definitely encourage people to look that up the the ferran 10 generations but just such a such a beautiful cognac in the um ferran family has has been producing cognac for over 10 generations they're also responsible for for plantation rum uh and citadel gin uh so they do really really good stuff um and this one was just to celebrate those 10 generations of of production and um and I'm drinking it in a special glass, which I'm actually going to get into for my dope follow. So we're gonna we're gonna bury the lead on that <laughs> for now. Um, so we'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, it's also 46%. So there's a good chance, as I've already put down half a glass, and it was like a full pour that I went ahead and did. Um, that I'll be slurring my words by the end if if we if we play our cards right. Because uh, as I said, the the kid drove me to the bottle tonight, which was <laughs> been there. Mine been was there. mine was damn I mean, near damn near close tonight too. So it's... is it is there a full moon coming? Like, what is the situation? Um, I don't know because I feel like kids do that as well. 
but you know, now I think it's time for our opinion on facts that we've heard from reputable sources. Okay, so our first story tonight is actually been an ongoing one for the past week and a half, and that is the fact that the Heaven Hill Distillery, responsible for some of the best American whiskeys that you can find on the market right now, and uh, consider and in Bardstown, which is considered the bourbon capital of the world, are um, its employees are striking right now. There is uh, they've been in fierce negotiation with the union over the past couple months and the family owned brand and. They have come to an impasse. the The contract expired last week. Uh, one of the way the workers have explained that it removes a cap on health insurance premium, increases the um, that also reduces take home pay, cuts overtime, and drastically changes work schedules, which makes it harder for employees to support and care for their families. Um, like most industries, uh, the liquor one was considered essential when the when the lockdown happened. And the family came out and told its workers that we know that you're killing yourself right now, working seven days a week to not only do like hand sanitizer, but in to also keep up with production because everyone put out ridiculous numbers last year. They said that they would make it right with them when it came to ne- contract negotiations. And now the workers union is feeling like they were lied to. So, Chris, um, I knew that I wanted to talk about this, but then you also came across it and sent it to me and was like, we need to talk about this next week. Uh, what are some of your thoughts? Uh, and are you with the union or are you going to cross a picket line and join the Heaven Hill family? <laughs> uh, I'm not a scab. Uh, it's not, it's not in my, in my DNA. So there's that. Uh, I think, I think uh, what's really important for people to understand regardless of whether or not you're like pro union or you know you think union just kind of get in the way of everything uh is our supply chain in in the united states for our our goods that we uh, consume on a regular basis is incredibly precarious and if there's anything that we've learned last from the last year of uh not even strikes but just people um you know companies not being fully staffed uh uh you know, the inability to fully function at a hundred percent. Um, and once that breaks down, you're operating at 80% on, you know, in one facility and 60% in another facility and fucking 50% in another facility, how quickly that just erodes all the way down the line. And then you have people who just don't want to go to work at the end of it because they could die if they go to work as we saw. And as we reported with, uh, with back a house and with cooks, right. You know? And so all along the way, that supply chain of getting, getting just a glass of whiskey into someone's hand, just so they can enjoy it at like a, a reasonable cost. Um, it, it has its price, you know? And I, I think we have to start to reexamine how we're willing to pay for that. Oh, Totally. Chad, uh, what are some of your thoughts? I mean, have you ever been part of a union before? And, you know, does it, you know, still working, still working in a bar, does this affect your views of maybe Heaven Hill products? You know, uh, as, as far as the article, article was concerned, um, it was kind of like, 
familiar in a way, right? You know, when it comes down to it, it's like people are recognizing like we need to get paid and compromised for the general work we do. And on top of the pandemic, you know, like, uh, like you said, they were deemed essential workers. Uh, so there should be some sort of compensation, right? Um, and it's really familiar to me from behind the bar, you know, you're a bartender and you're a bouncer and you're a janitor and you're a, you know, you keep the people safe and there's all these jobs and, but you're only getting paid for one. So, I mean, it's a little relatable to me from behind the bar. Um, and I kind of feel for these people, you know, like, especially for a, a big brand like Heaven Hill. Um, I don't know their books, but it seems like they could actually pay people a little bit more and, and kind of compensate them for this last year and a half of craziness that we've all had to deal with. So, so to put For some, sure. of, some yeah. of those numbers in perspective that, that Chad's kind of referring to here, um, uh, Heaven Hill recently last year built out a $19 million um, a visitor center in Bardstown uh, in anticipation of the post-pandemic tourism um, versus, you know, paying, paying that money into, into their employees' healthcare coverage. Uh, and they cut that as well as expanded their hours. So th- it's not just that these employees are feeling like they're slighted because they deserve a part of the profits. Um, so th- some of these employees are, are literally like, like, well, okay, well now, now my healthcare coverage is getting slashed. You just spent all this money to increase profits for the, for the company that in a theoretical sort of way, in a way that you're not even certain is going to pa- pan out um, on top of it. Uh, you are also making us work additional hours in into the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, and, and just to give you guys an idea of, um, so for our listeners at at home, um, some of the brands that that they are responsible for. Um, so for bourbon, obviously the Heaven Hill bourbon is one of them, but uh, Henry McKenna, Elijah Craig, Old Fitzgerald, Parker's Heritage, Larceny. Um, Let's see here if the other ones that really jump out. They have some stuff that's outside of the the bourbon uh, world as well. So Christian Brothers Brandy, that's a huge brand. Deep Eddie Vodka. Um, Let's see, Hypnotic, uh, a favorite of all of ours at some point in our lives. (laughs) I don't know when it was, but it was for everybody. Uh, The Pomegranate Liqueur, one of my all-time favorites. and of course, the mellow corn Kentucky straight corn whiskey. It's one of which, my favorites. If if yeah. you don't like mellow corn, you can get the fuck out of my face right now. So um, <laughs> that's what I always say about mellow corn. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's it's definitely definitely a house that's that's producing quite a bit, and um, and it was interesting. So this week in Kentucky as well was the uh, Kentucky Bourbon Festival. And for the first time in a long time, uh, the Bourbon Festival was actually reduced uh, in terms of attendance, which Chris and I, we talked about last week and how great that was for um, for Rumfest. But for the town of Barstown, it was actually not necessarily a good situation because people didn't realize that they were going to be limiting tickets. So 
they ended up uh, like canceling rooms and things like that. So then the city of Bardstown came out and they did. They're also doing a whiskey celebration and appreciation event um, as well, which is really highlighting some of the producers and things like that. I bring this up because the strike is still going on and you have a lot of picketers who are able to actually engage with consumers right away and hand them flyers and things like that and let them kind of know, hey, here's this huge family um, and this massive amount of brands that you probably care about an awful lot and they're not re- they're not really negotiating with us and we're at a standstill. So um, it kind of sounds like you guys are firmly in the camp of just give these people what they want. They've definitely earned it over the past couple of years and let's just sign another five-year contract and move on with our lives. Is there any reason not to feel that way? No, no, I agree. Like, People got to get paid, you know what I mean? They work hard, and if you're making that much money off a, off a product, like you kind of got to re rethink how you distribute your employees. I, I think that there's that there's certainly probably something going on from a management perspective um, when we're uh, juggling funds, like just like I was saying uh, about negotiating with this uh, supply chain and where you're where you're putting your resources. That supply chain goes beyond Heaven Hill as well, certainly. I mean, I was just on the phone today dealing with uh, another producer that has uh, gone on to allocation um, simply because uh, they're getting they're getting screwed over by global glass crisis, you know, and they simply they have they have booze in barrels. They just can't bottle it fast enough and get it and get it out. And, and especially based on the consumption levels of California and California in a, in a pandemic and post pandemic world where our consumption is just through the roof uh it's it's hard to meet that meet up those those demands right so pushing at a harder level uh keeping up with that and we know trucking has been hit really hard by by pandemic and by um and by working conditions and so trucking and shipping uh shipping is still dealing with the the fallout from the Suez Canal uh, debacle that we talked about, uh, you know, however many months ago, six, seven months ago. So, you know, it's not, it, it, it's not just, you know, where it ends with, with the workers, but I, I think that there's, you know, there's certainly something to be said for, for the management perspective of juggling a lot of things. I just find it a little, a little odd that you spend a fuckload of money, you know, $19 million on building up a new visitor center when that could, you could easily, take half of that and put that into your, into your workers' healthcare and to their pensions Um, or, you know, hire a few more workers maybe to, you know, work those weekend shifts, you know, spread that out a little bit. I don't know. It it, it doesn't, I know that it's, it, it, it's really easy to play fucking Sunday morning quarterback on, on some of this stuff. Um, But when, when we're talking about brands, you know, like this, that, that we love, um, I expect if I'm, I'm giving my money to someone for them to, you know, just like we do with Moscow, right? Like we want our money to end up going to the right people, the people who spend their time and their lives actually like producing this stuff. Um, and not to some celebrity who happens to own the brand. Right. And it kind of goes in the same direction. So, you know, there's, there's definitely a, um, a self-righteous nature to this industry and a lot of our, a lot of our comrades. Right. And um, do you think there is, or there could be enough of a groundswell from bar managers, bar owners to be like, 
we're not going to carry Heaven Hill products until we feel that they got a fair a fair shake. Do you think it? Do you think it could reach those levels? My, my guess Chad, is what, it, about, what about you? No, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I was gonna I was gonna say maybe. I mean, it sounds good, you know, um, and it kind of reminds me of the uh, uh, the bullet thing that happened a few years ago and. Everyone was like, we're not carrying Bullet, and we're not supporting Bullet. Uh, obviously, that was a totally different subject. But, uh, I mean, maybe. I, I can't really tell. You know, I mean, Heaven Hill has a big portfolio. So, I, I'm guessing if enough managers pulled all their products, it it could, you know, damage their pocket line as far as the yeah. company. Yeah, and, and and per the bullet situation, due to friendship fallouts and um, lots of collateral damage, I will not be commenting on anything bullet related <laughs> now. Sorry, in the future, I, just an example. We or we don't have ever to talk about it. again. <laughs> yeah, that brand doesn't exist as far as I'm concerned yeah. anymore. They just let them go do their thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> I agree, uh, Chris. So I know you were starting to talk, and I apologize for cutting you off. What were what are some of the things that what were you thinking in terms of could there be a groundswell movement uh, towards changing this? My guess is this is probably going to get wrapped up pretty quickly. I think I think a, a lot of the um, the pressure is going to come from this week. You know, if they start if they start really seeing um, people not not exploring their brand new you know um, visitor center. They'll, they'll probably feel that in the pockets pretty pretty quickly. I don't imagine that we're going to see like a like a Florida Kanye, uh, Bobby Hugel type social media event uh, yeah. where where people start pouring pouring mellow corn down the drain. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it could happen. Yeah. And if, if this goes on long enough, I mean, it's possible. But I think people have uh, unfortunately other things that they're that they're you know focused on. Uh, you know, fortunately and unfortunately. Yeah. So now, now Florida Kana is a brand that I will absolutely bury um, and continue to bury until I die. Uh, similar to the hatred that Chris has for Latitude 29. If you listen to last week's episode, that is how I feel about Florida Kana and um, they suck and everybody should pour their stuff out every single day. Um well, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, though, Chris. I think this is going to be wrapped up pretty quickly. Um, there's no I – don't, I don't see a situation where even your anti-union people are going to be firmly on the side of, like, of Heaven Hill. They're going to be like, no, I want my whiskey. Like, you make my Elijah Craig, get it done. You know, I, I, I don't want to see the delays and – and things like that. So hopefully, you know, everybody oh, walks away from the from the scenario happy and whatnot. So I, I would also uh, point out probably something that that's obvious to at least folks like like us who spend a lot of time in distilleries is that the folks who work there have a strong sense of pride about the brands as well. So it's not like that they it's not like they're developing this sense of like you know fuck heaven hill brands. They want they want to go back to work. They're they're eager to do so because they love the brands. They probably love the family too. You know, I mean, that's I, I doubt that there's as wide of a gap as, as sort of uh, the 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 many articles that we've read uh, make it seem like. You know, these people have all grown up in in a lot of the same town. They all know each other. Um, these these distilleries aren't 
aren't that big. It doesn't require thousands upon thousands of people to make them operate. It's usually like a hundred people to 50 people making these things work, you know? And so they all know each other and, um, and they all want to get back to work. I'm, you know, I, I don't think that a lot of them are trying to jump ship and go elsewhere. Right. Right. And yeah. And, and I, and there, that probably actually contributes a little bit to the frustration for the employees because, you know, maybe this is a situation where it's like, you know, we've worked here our entire lives. It's multi-generational, not only in ownership, but also in, you know, the production lines and things like that as well. So, um, so hopefully they figure it out because I don't want to live in a world where I don't have my mellow corn. So hey, fucking yeah, put that out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yo. Uh. Okay, so our next thing is not necessarily a article, but something that I came across uh, earlier today, and it was actually due to former guest um, Leon Moore and music producer uh, for the Good Bottle Podcast, and it was from it was from the Food and Wine uh, Instagram account, and it was the new rules of dining out. Um, and this was something that, so, you know, Leon is employed by Alora here in Sacramento. Alora is a fine dining restaurant, um, arguably the best restaurant in Sacramento right now. I just absolutely love what they're doing, but I also found myself at, um, another extremely amazing place, which was, uh, Ella on this past Friday. And it was, um, you know, again, another fine dining situation and superb just hospitality and the food was great. Um, but they are also, you know, in a position like everybody else who's just struggling right now in order, just finding, finding front of the house, finding back of the house, supply chain issues. Um, another, another place, a restaurant in the Sacramento area, which is Nick's taco was recently put into, I want to say it was eater, um, did an article about how they serve the best tacos in Northern California, um, which then, well, just, just, just bear with me. I know, <laughs> I know you have your feelings towards, towards Nick's and I don't, uh, I don't necessarily agree with you, but they had this article written up on them. And so for the past week and a half, they have just been getting assaulted Nice. With people coming in and enjoying, nice. which happens to coincide with an opening that they just recently did. Like they were, I think, I think um, Patricio, who is the who is the owner and um, and head chef there, probably would have been fine just doing the to go stuff for as long as he could. But I don't think he could keep people at bay anymore because they wanted to sit down, they wanted to hang out, and um, and he had some projects going too. But they've just been getting their butt kicked to the point where they're running out of products. And their supplier can't keep up with them. So, for example, like today, they just were like, we're closed. We don't have product. We Our, our staff is dying. So we're just – we're shutting it down. Um, so I want to I wanna read through these new rules. And um, and should do you want me to go through all of them or do you want me to go one by one? What do you guys think? No, let's go through all of them. And then we'll, then you, no, let's go through all of them and then we'll yeah. come back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Shoot them and, off. And so, and, and so I'm pretty confident most people are going to agree with these things. I don't think that, I don't think that they're really out of line here. Um, but I want you guys to start banking some personal stories, maybe what you've seen so far and how we can really make these things work moving forward. Okay. So, um, so number one, 
the customer is not always right. For years, the hospitality industry has thrived on the notion that the customer is always right, no matter how outlandish their request. But the pandemic and the behavior that came with it, impatience regarding wait times, name calling, frustration over limited seating, and menu choices, disregard for safety protocols has shown to both restaurant professionals and, honestly, to most diners that the sentiment is outdated. A servile relic of a former pre-pandemic time. Uh, number two, tip big. If you thought 20% as the ceiling for your tip uh, in the before time, start thinking of that now as the floor. That goes on where you got a sit-down restaurant, but also for staff when you're just taking get out and drivers, take out and drivers. Who can earn as little as $2 an hour when you're getting food delivered? Um, be clear about food allergies. Over-communicate. Call the restaurant manager ahead of time and make notes in the reservation app that you're using. When you arrive, remind the staff again. And remember, don't say you have a food allergy if what you actually have is an intolerance restriction or simple aversion. Number four, use your phone for memories, not calls. Whether you're using QR codes to pull up the menu, creating Instagram stories about your meal, or snapping a picture of the favorite dish, it's okay to create memories over dinner in a restaurant via tech, but please turn off the ringer. Which I just think is a weird one. I'm going to just throw in a little comment there because it's like, I hate, I mean, I understand the QR code and for a lot of reasons I love it, but I also hate it because it just, it starts the trend of just having your phone out at dinner, which drives me nuts. Like put it away, yeah. enjoy yourself, yeah. right? Okay, number five, and I love this one to death, and I hope everybody always feels this way. Um, respect that reservation. Restaurants simply cannot sustain the financial loss of no-shows, particularly right now. If you can't show up for a reservation, life does happen. Always call the restaurant and let them know um, with as much notice as possible. Number six, patience, patience, patience. Labor shortages, ever-changing COVID-19 safety guidelines, shifting outdoor and indoor layouts. All of these hurdles make it harder to offer diners an experience, an experience they expect. It doesn't mean restaurants are tr aren't trying, though. Number seven, smaller menus are the order of the day. Staffing shortages and supply chain problems, which we just talked about, can eliminate the entire station in the kitchen or make it harder to source ingredients for a bigger menu. But smaller menus mean more focus, and that's not a bad thing. Number eight, don't weaponize your online review. Another one that I think should have been pretty relevant before. But a bad dining experience truly sucks, but a bad online review does nothing to turn your night around and instead punishes the restaurant in perpetuity for an off night or single accident instead give constructive feedback to management in the moment so they can course correct improve your night and not suffer long term number nine prove your status check social media accounts read your reservation confirmation or just call and ask if there's a policy on showing proof of vaccination or a negative covid test remember generally restaurants are within their right to require diners to prove their vaccination status and objecting to the vaccine for whatever reason isn't enough to skirt the rule and number 10 and again the, the thing that should have been relevant before. And the final one, be kind. As you re-enter the dining world, worth relief that your favorite spot is open again. Tread softly. Keep timeliness, candor, directness, and kindness and communication top of mind and recognize that humanity of every worker. Greet each employee with an acknowledgement of their presence. You are sharing space with them. Okay, so those are your 10 things. Um, this is obviously getting a lot of shares, a lot of likes um, just on their account alone. There is over 28,000 people who have liked this post and there are wow. over almost, there are almost 1100 comments. So um, in thinking back to, to all these, all these different rules and suggestions, I'm going to start with myself and kind of give you guys some more time to, um, to kind of stew on this. But for me, it's a patience thing. You need to be infinitely patient when you go out right now. Um, 
I didn't realize how much I missed going out and the same situation for my wife who has always worked from home and really looked forward to these days of going out. Um, however, with that being the case, I find myself more often than not being like, I can't believe how long I've had to sit here without any acknowledgement or anything like this. And that's fine. We totally get it. And it just, it's having that in mind, like, Hey, there's, they're super short staffed. Even if they don't look like they're busy, they're busy. Right. So the patience thing is the one that I hope if, uh, and I think most of our listeners are, are pretty good people, or at least I want to say that, but I think it's also, I think it's also good to kind of be reminded of these things, you know, especially if you find yourself in a situation, you know, where you are at a nice restaurant and maybe you don't feel like you're getting the, the top, the top quality stuff that you're used to. It's like, Hey, we're kind of in still special times. Um, Chad, what were some of the ones that stood out to you? Uh, what do you think about this list as, as all together? Um, it's a, it's a great list and, and I'd have to agree with you, you know, patience, patience is key. Uh, and kind of what, my first thought was as far as patience is, you know, someone who has enough experience as a, a bartender or a server, the, the kind of one rule is like acknowledging people as soon as they come through the door or as soon as they sit at the bar will we'll buy you more time than you think. And I think that is key right now. And, you know, I, I won't name the names, but I worked at a place and where that was, that was key recent, recently. And, and, you know, just say, Hey folks, how you doing? Give me a couple of minutes. I'll be right with you. Here's a menu, you know, scan it or a physical menu or whatever. Uh, and it really does help. But on the, that being said, we were also super short staffed. So it was easy as a staff member to get buried. Um, but I think, I think overall people were pretty patient. Um, so as far as that, you know, I think the average consumer was, was patient and accepting of, we know the people, we know the short staffed, you know, it's not the regular bar restaurant environment right now, but they're so happy to be there that they're willing to give that extra couple minutes. Um, and you know, of course the, the 20% tip as the, as the bottom line is also great. <laughs> you know, uh, the more tips for us is obviously better. Um, but I mean, uh, let's see there, there was something the other day where, uh, I was, I was working a brunch shift and we were short staffed and we got slammed, but I feel like everybody was pretty, pretty accepting of it. They were pretty patient. And, and like I said before, as long as you acknowledge them, even if it takes another two or three minutes to get to them, that's all it needs to take. So if someone walks in and you don't acknowledge them and 30 seconds goes by, then, you know, you could be ripped a new a-hole. <laughs> right. But that, that simple acknowledgement buys you more time. And I think that really fits in more than ever right now, uh, just as working behind the bar or, or in a restaurant in general. So, yeah, Chris, what about you? I, you know, my first instinct when I read through this was, uh, how is any of this new? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I mean, yeah, with, exactly. with, with the exception of number nine, improving your status, 
all yeah. of these things, like be kind, like that's the golden fucking rule, right? Like you learn that shit in kindergarten and yet some people don't, you know, some people just aren't, they like really enjoy not doing that. Uh, but you know, you, you and I have talked about that, Drew, uh, whether it's on this podcast or in person, you know, the, the sort of the, the mass, um, trauma that we felt culturally in the last year a lot of people don't have the emotional capacity or tools to to know how to process that and they're definitely going to be taking it out on other people which if you're listening to this just means that you have to be even fucking nicer be really nice because your niceness isn't necessarily making up for someone else's shittiness you have to be really nice now that doesn't mean that you also need to get walked all over as as a as a patron but i mean just know that servers bartenders are are going to be acting as the emotional crutch for a lot of people uh and sometimes not just crutch they're going to be the emotional punching bag um but going back let's see starting at number one the customer is not always right fuck no the customer is not always right especially when alcohol is involved the customer is almost always (laughs) wrong you know uh I mean, like, first of all, customers are always right. Started off as a, as an, uh, as a marketing campaign for, for, I want to say like Southwest in like the early 1900s. And, um, uh, it caused Southwest in the, in the 1900s. Do you want to reevaluate this? It was, what are you, my child? I don't know. It's something like that. (laughs) 1900s. Yeah. Are you born in the 1900s? I said early 1900s. Anyway. It just makes it sound so long ago. I know. I'm sorry. We weren't even flying <laughs> then. <laughs> sorry. What? <Go> anyway. <laughs> 1960s? I don't know. I, I, what I do know is that this was, it started off as a marketing campaign and it was quickly taken back because it caused so many problems, both for the staff and for the airline itself. Uh, it ended up like, it ended up costing them a ton of money. Uh, but it stuck around and now it's just like part of part of like the public uh uh you know it, it, it's like stuck around people's zeitgeist thank you in people's brains uh so no southwest started in 1967 just for the record all right so there. that's that's early <laughs> i just produced all right fuck produced. Oh, anyway. oh boy real loose and liberal with that <laughs> yeah i guess so so like, can i say like first a, of all, i said an airline i think that i think it might be southwest i don't know if it was southwest I, but i know it was, it was an airline anyway okay moving on to tipping big i want to say and drew's gonna correct me again but i want to say like six or seven years ago new york times produced a, a a study about tipping and what tipping does and how it's uh how it's um used today and and most of us have this sort of egalitarian concept about tipping where you know someone does a good job you tip them more someone does a terrible job you tip them less all of that stems from really really racist shit in like uh you know uh, the end of slavery and uh people going to work but not wanting to pay uh people of color to actually work so therefore they say well if you do a good enough job maybe they maybe the uh the people that you're uh, that you're serving will give you money, uh, which of course, you know, they didn't really, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> what the New York Times article found or uh, study found was that tipping actually says a lot more about the about the consumer than it does about the employee. 
meaning that it, it has a lot more to do with the people who are dining and how they perceive um, someone else's stance in society rather than the amount of good work, terrible work, whatever it is that uh, that the employee is doing to earn said money. So in case of this, if you thought uh, tipping 20% was like the most you should tip tip in the before times, it's really, really time to sort of reevaluate that. And if you can't afford to tip, man, don't go out, especially in, here in California, um, or at least like figure out like a nice way around it. In California, uh, if you don't tip, that money that you are not tipping is coming out of the server or bartender's pocket. Uh, bartenders yep. and servers yep. automatically get taxed on 8% of the sales that they ring in. Uh, so that also includes all of your all of your food that's coming out of Grubhub, all of your food that's coming out of uh, you know, uh, all of your to go orders, stuff like that. Um, so just be aware of that. Like if you're not tipping, if that's not happening, then you're costing someone money. Um, yeah. uh, uh, being clear about food allergies as, uh, as a glutard myself, uh, uh, know what's an allergy, what's an intolerance. Like if someone accidentally puts bread on my plate, I'm not going to fucking flip out about it. I'm just going to remove shit, but that's because I'm not going to die. Right. But if I'm going to die, I'm not going to go to a bakery. Right. So <laughs> it just it's common sense. I wouldn't walk into a bakery if it's going to send me into into shock and ask somebody to give me something that's not made from bread. That just seems like that's mostly relies on myself. And as someone who's dealt with people uh, uh, claiming gluten intolerances and gl- uh, gluten allergies and and all this shit. Most people don't know what the hell they're talking about. Um, and so you make the rest of us look bad when we do know what we're talking about. Just because your belly felt bad one time when you drank vodka doesn't mean that you actually have an allergy. So uh, go get tested. Uh, do some research. Uh, figure out. Talk to your doctor. Uh, figure out actually what's going on with you. Because you might actually end up uh, enjoying your life a little bit more. And, and opening up your options. Uh, respecting that reservation, fuck yeah, respect that reservation. Because uh, any table that goes unsat right now is costing people money. So if you love a restaurant enough to make a reservation at it, show them the respect. If you can't make it, which is fine because life happens, show them the respect by allowing them to open that table back up for you. Uh, also, don't show up 30 minutes late because, again, that's costing everybody money, um, especially the server and especially the especially the restaurant and it's it's just I will unacceptable. I, I, I want to add to that so so first of all every time I hear about reservations and like multiple ones I always think of and I don't remember what movie it was but the guy like makes like nine reservations just so like the girl he can take the girl to the place that she wants to go and you're just kind of like you're like wow and a lot of people are like that's romantic and I'm like what a dick you know <laughs> yeah. um, the, the the other thing that I want to say about that is um, <clears throat> you know, try, I mean, like for me, I don't like calling to make reservations. I just want to do it online and just kind of like, yeah, just put them on your list, like call me to confirm, send the text messages, whatever the case may be. But, um, but sometimes I think it's important for people to follow up on their reservations. So let's say you go through something like an open table or resi or something like that. Um, if you don't hear from that place as your reservation is getting close, call them. And follow up because as shitty as it is to um, no show a reservation, it's also very shitty to show up to a restaurant, find out that they actually don't work with that service 
and find out that you don't have a reservation. So, you know, those sometimes those online things are not foolproof. So just make sure that you follow up on those things. Yeah. And so that's just, a, just want to throw it out there. That's, that's, that's a good point. Cause, uh, I feel like people might try to make a initial effort to do a reservation only to find out that that bar restaurant doesn't take reservations. And that's as far as they'll go. And they'll show up a Saturday night with 15 people expecting to get sat and be like, Oh, you didn't take reservations, but people also need to like, maybe figure that in. Right. Well, also, who, who's going to look bad in that uh, in that situation, right? Is it going to be the people who made the who made the reservation on that? Is it going to be the online platform who claims that they can yeah. make it, or is it going to be the restaurant? Ultimately, it's going to be the restaurant that gets that gets uh, the restaurant that gets yeah. Yelped. Exactly. On that note, yeah, fuck we're... fucking Yelp, fuck Yelp, fuck Yelp <laughs> the ass, fuck Yelp up a tree, down so... sideways, off a canyon, fuck Yelp all the way. Number eight, don't weaponize your online review. Yelp is only like the entire purpose of Yelp is to weaponize that online review. Fuck Yelp. Anybody who Definitely. uses Yelp is needs yep. to stop using Preach. Yelp immediately. Cause it's Preach. fucking terrible. Okay. Chad, what did you have to say about Yelp? Cause Chris keeps interrupting you. So what, what do you got for, <laughs> what do you got for Yelp? Oh, I mean, Chris said it, everything for Yelp. Fuck Yelp. So, uh, uh, I was going to try to circle back and maybe follow with me if you can. About the customer <laughs> is the customer is always right, right? We, we've so all, all heard that, one. right? All the way to number all one. All the way to number one. Sorry, like <laughs> cut me off if you need to, but so we all know what a Karen is, right? We say, yeah. "Oh, you're a Karen." Yes. I truly think a Karen was developed from the restaurant hospitality industry into or from the customer is always right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, and I know everybody outside the hospitality is like calling a Karen because they're blowing up whatever they're wherever they're shopping. But I, it, it truly was developed from the customer is always right. My name's Karen. Let me speak to a manager. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was an easy agreement. So, well, let me let me <laughs> ask you guys this. Um, so. If you find out that somebody leaves reviews in any form, does it affect your opinion of that person? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Chad. Yeah. I would say yeah. I feel. Yeah. I feel. I feel the exact same way. Um, I actually had one of my suppliers texting me today about um, an online agave publication, and they were like. Like, man, these people will just shill for anybody. And I was like, I was like, I was like, dude, who cares what anybody says? Like anybody who's going, you know, putting the effort into leave reviews, like they're the worst, no matter what. I don't care who they are. Um, but like I only use it if it's gonna be like help me sell more products. Like that's the only time that I think it's relevant or anything like that. But I definitely when it comes to Yelp, like when I find out that someone's like an active Yelp reviewer, it is it is like physically stomach turning for me. Yeah, you lose and you then, lose points. You lose points. You absolutely lose points. And, you know, it's so, I mean, I found out a family friend was, was an avid Yelp reviewer. Um, and it, and it started this downward slide of my opinion of them that eventually just like, I just lost all respect when I, when the other things came into play, but it was just kind of like, it was like, that was the catalyst. It was like, it was like, Hey, this is the beginning of the end of our relationship. It's the fact <laughs> that you take pride in your Yelp reviews, yeah. you know, here's the thing. Man. Yeah. So, so it, if you 
feel the need to to yelp or um and, and yelp quite specifically i mean there's like TripAdvisor and google google reviews and, and what have you shirt and and those are a little bit less mm, you know stigmatized but yelp specifically instead of doing that how about you look someone in the fucking eye and say hey man uh this food didn't come out the way i wanted and I wanted this uh, this ice cream instead of that vanilla or fucking whatever. And maybe allow somebody the chance to actually look you in the eye and apologize and say, hey, my bad. I messed this table up. I'm so sorry. Will you give us another chance when you come back? Um, we were yeah. slammed. We were out of it. This, uh, this just didn't work. We had this communication. So, so sorry. Uh, can we Can we fix it for you right now in the moment? And sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes people just don't want to do that. Sometimes, uh, sometimes people on the service side are truly pricks. It happens. But more often than not, if you treat <laughs> someone like a human and you don't hide behind the anonymity of your fucking keyboard, you're going to get a better response. Yeah, yeah I, right. I actually, I actually have some thoughts on that, and I and I do have a theory because um, reading that rule and about like how that that review can do so much more damage long-term. And I was talking with one of my accounts. Uh, they were down in the Napa area, which is a very, very competitive market, right? And you have most of the time high tourism rates. So people heavily rely on these review sites, right? And so um, like most places, um, this this establishment has had trouble with having cooks and things like that. And in fact, I've had cooks go through the training process and then quit their first night, like on the job, like by themselves. Right. Cause they just get their ass kicked. Wow. And they had a scenario where someone had a bad situation. The owner addressed them, remedied the situation, at least according to them, remedied the situation, was able to make everything right. But by the time they left, they were shaking hands. They were like, thank you for coming in. That person still went and left a negative Yelp review on them. Wow, and in and in, in to show you how amicable it eventually became, like that person also gave the owner his phone number to be like, "Hey, thank you for making this right. You know, the next time you come in, let me know, and we'll we'll really make sure we take care of you, right?" Um, so then he actually called him. It was like, "What the hell? Like, why would you do this after we actually fixed this?" Because again, if you're in these places, and let's say you know you're on vacation, and Napa is again a very very tourist heavy place, you people are going to rely on that stuff and they see these negative views and like that negative review just goes for so much longer and it has so much more life than it really, than it really deserves. Right. And when you read those things and you just, and the lack of understanding that people have, and then also, you know, I know we're going to get to it. We're going to kind of jump to it, but it's like the be nice thing or like the COVID protocol thing. Like we all saw the, um, the video footage of the hostess being assaulted in the New York bar, New York restaurant, yeah. when she asked yeah. for vaccination requirements. And it's like, and, and that's where I, you know, when, when, when people talk about it, people talk about how, you know, here in California, we have, I think we're up to like four or five counties that have now started to require vaccinations for, to enter a bar. Um, my, my, my thought doesn't immediately go to you're impeding on my freedom even though I don't, I don't agree with like having the required thing, you know, from a government level. I also, 
I, I really feel for the people who are in those positions, it's like for that hostess who's getting paid $19 an hour to have that conversation with some <laughs> asshole who just yeah. can't fall in line. You know what I mean? And I just, yeah. I, my heart really goes out to those people because, you know, I, and I, and I brought this up in a couple of different groups and, you know, the thought process is like, well, well, this will be handled by the manager or, you know, the owner. It's like, yeah, right. Get out of my face with that. That, that manager is not sitting up front. That owner is not sitting up front. Like that person's taking bullets in the chest, you know, oh, yeah. now more than oh, yeah. ever. Yeah. It's like, you think the mask mandates were bad. You just let me tell you about vaccine mandates. And, and, and actually, so, you know, Chris and I being in San Francisco last week and maybe it didn't extend to Emeryville, but we didn't get asked anything when we walked in. I mean, did you? No, no. Uh, cause it's just, no, we, no, we showed it. Yeah. We showed Where? it at Trader Vic yeah. at Trader Vic's. We showed it. We definitely oh. did. Are you I sure? Remember, yep. Yep, I remember pulling it out. Uh, she asked before we sat down. Definitely. I don't know if I agree. With, I don't know if I remember that. Maybe I was too tired. Maybe I was. That's possible. I mean, uh, we were both we were both pretty wrecked after after that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I I went to the Farm the Fork Festival on Saturday here in Sacramento. Vaccines. Yeah. Yeah, here in Sacramento, mm-hmm. and it it wasn't planned. Uh, my daughter and I went to brunch. And, you know, I had the day off, so I'm like, let's go explore. And I'm like, oh, this is going on, so let's go. Um, I mean, I simply ha- I had a picture of it on my phone already because yeah. I had recent- I recently traveled to Hawaii, so I had to, like, have backup. Bowling. But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Not on my dime. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it, it was a requirement. And, you know, for me, obviously, it wasn't a problem. But it, it's just I can only imagine, like, the the negativity trying to be you know a 20 year old 21 year old host who wasn't trained on this to like deny people <laughs> to yeah. come in you know 21 i mean more often than not my experience is hosts are like 18 you know what i mean like yeah, they're, right, they're like they just graduated true. high school and this is like their first job yeah now they're getting shut on by some, by some <laughs> schmuck who thinks that they like have a right to fucking physically assault you just for asking you ask like just for you to yeah. do your jo- damn job the fuck out of here with that noise yeah okay let's bring, let's bring this back to center because we're definitely we're definitely uh we're falling off the wagon here um okay so again if people want to go check this out uh the the full list and you know you can agree with it or not and and in fact if, if people don't agree with it or they do agree with it you know let us know uh reach out to us um and it's the food and wine Instagram account. It's the new rules of dining out to Chris's point. Some of these should have already been established rules, but um, that is, those are the new rules. Fall in. Okay. We're going to make it through this together. Yo. You know who's dope? Them over there. Okay. So now it's time for my favorite section. The dope follows of the week. This is when we tell you, who you should follow. It could be an Instagram account, Facebook profile, blog, other podcast, book, movie, whatever the case may be. We're going to tell you to check out and they're always going to be great. But before we do, I want to circle back to last week's dope follows and in our search for the ultimate Mai Tai and Kevin's going to come join us. He's already agreed. So, so listeners, you have that to look forward to. 
He's going to make the trip up to sack. It's going to be great. Looking forward to it. I'm really excited but about this. I'm also very excited about, about that. But there is a Mai Tai recipe that made its way onto the interwebs today. <sighs> um, or within the last couple of days. And it was shared by, by a friend of mine <laughs> out in Australia. And it is from another another rum and i'm and i'm saying rum you guys can't see this but i'm saying rum in quotes because it's more of a liqueur than anything else from the bamboo rum australia account okay so bamboo rum is again much more a liqueur it's basically pancake syrup it has a very cool bottle which is why a lot of rum enthusiasts buy it uh looks very pirate-esque it is a trash product um agree buy it but um, I mean, it's there's, just, look, but, everything but, has a, has a place, right? But like, definitely, I think if you except for actu- that one, if you actually enjoy um, rum, you're not going to enjoy this. Yeah. So, but if you like like overly sweet stuff and garbage product that's endorsed by Little Wayne, <laughs> I think you should definitely buy it. Now, I'm a Little Wayne music fan. I'm not a Little Wayne endorsement of rum fan. Um, okay. So, anyways, so back to this. Um, start the weekend with a tiki. Which this is this is how they write this. Okay, start the weekend with a tiki. So the, already we don't make sense. Um, <laughs> this is our bamboo take on a classic mai tai, and because everybody else is on a better measuring system than us, bear with me on this. Sixty milliliters of bamboo, thirty milliliters of pineapple juice, fifteen milliliters of fresh lime juice. So at least they got that right. Uh, fifteen milliliters of Campari mixed fifty-fifty with grenadine. Uh, 15 milliliters of Verjot almond syrup, two dashes of Angostura bitters, combine all ingredients and shake, strain over ice and garnish with rosemary. They just, I mean, I guess rum's in it and Verjot's in it. What else? Yeah. Lime juice. What else is Mai Tai here? It's not a Mai Tai at all, but it it sounds interesting. (laughs) So... So needless to say, that's a lot of fun. Maybe that Campari to balance out the sweetness of the uh, the bamboo. Yeah. I mean, I guess I I feel like you know what this you know what this reads as as like somebody who took like endorsement money from different brands and had to throw it all into one drink because they got to the other cocktail menu <laughs> yep. and they were like we need to get everything in on this drink yep one hundred we're doing all the things mm-hmm. on this cocktail <laughs> and we'll call it a mai tai because no one gives a shit um, so that's that's. That's you know maybe that could be like a recurring segment like this week's horrible mai tai reps recipe that we just find you know and that people can send to us because there's so many it would not be um, that hard it would not be that hard might that might be a new thing so so um, and I know Kevin's gonna have some bunch but uh, if you have a horrible mai tai recipe that you've come across send it to the Good Bottle Podcast we'll share it every week um, but uh, but let's get back to the thing that I love so our dope follows. Chris, who's your dope follow this week? Uh, I've got a, a, a fun Instagram account. It's a it's a boozy Instagram account. Uh, it is Alcohol Eek. It is A L K O L period I Q. Alcohol Eek. <laughs> uh, hmm. It's it's a it's just nice. a it's a fun little mixology account. They focus in on bartenders and uh, uh, really cool techniques. It's really pretty. Uh, just fun to fun to look at if you enjoy like really pretty bar photos and uh, cocktail videos. Love it. I'm looking it up right now. Let's see if we can find some good stuff. This is the guy. There's all kinds of good things on here. All right, we're gonna have to come back to it. Chad, who's your dope follow? Um, 
So am I allowed to have two? Definitely. Yes, absolutely. Dope. So I have two, and, and one I feel like is kind of uh, specifically for Drew, but you know, all of us as a collective. But the first one is uh, on TikTok. It's at Street Art by David Zinn with two N's. And it's really dope. This is an artist who goes around and uh, creates art around cracks on the sidewalk or you know, a missing brick on the side of a building type thing, if you've seen that before. Uh, and it's just real fun, relaxing. It's nice to, you know, to see. Uh, and it's real dope artist. I don't know him personally, but <laughs> it's fun. Uh, another one, which I thought Drew would appreciate, is called At The Tequila Collective. Oh, yeah. Uh, and yep. You guys heard about that? Yep, we have, yeah. Awesome so, one. Yeah, and uh, I, I ran across him maybe a couple weeks ago, uh, and you know, good advice on good tequila. And the thing that stood out was like, "Don't buy celebrity tequila." And I'm like, "Oh, Drew says that all the time." <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that you'd appreciate that one. <laughs> you know what's you know what's really funny about that, Chad, is that um, uh, so Chris, Chris, you're a TikToker. Chad, are you a TikToker? I'm trying to be, yes. Okay, so <laughs> so it's like one of the few uh, social media holdouts that I have. Um, I just I haven't done it. I, I don't know if I will. But everybody in my immediate circle does it. And I, there was a uh, TikTok video this week that came out that it starts with this guy. And he says, what hill are you willing to die on? And then it it switches to this other guy start talking about how much he hates celebrity tequila, but then goes and gives a really compelling case of why he doesn't support it. Right. So it wasn't just like yeah. this blind hatred thing, which sometimes I fall into, but more so like, you know, this is, these are why it's harmful and, and things like that. And I got sent that video by so many people um this this past week so that's dope uh, it is i think oh, yeah. i think a fish i mean in, in the i think the best part was is that a lot of them were outside the industry right so when you get those things you're kind of like hashtag influenced you that's know right. that you shouldn't buy this stuff and <laughs> yeah. you think about me um yeah that's right we're breaking through on, man. on those things yeah yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean that, that will be the hill that I die on, but yes, I do appreciate that very much. And, um, and they do a really like the tequila collective does a lot of really great stuff too. There's some good fundraisers with them as well. So that's a great to follow Chad. Ah, awesome. And I will a quick side note. Um, don't be hesitant on TikTok Cause I will say it takes some filtering and curating for what you want to see. But once you get to that point, you can see a lot of dope stuff of like what you actually want to learn about and like, you know, so I, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think you're wrong. Um, I, I, I don't think that TikTok's a bad thing. And, um, and I'm actually very familiar with, uh, kind of like with their coding and their algorithms and stuff like that, because I've mm -hmm. done very much of the same thing with like my Facebook feed and my Instagram. Like I see the things that I want to see. Um, yeah. The reason I did such a deep dive on TikTok is because it's completely consumed my wife's life. 
So I needed to know <laughs> as much as I could about it. And when I started to learn about it, I was like, oh, this totally makes sense on why she does it. And, you know, and those algorithms are so interesting because, you know, depending on when you kind of swipe out of it, you know, if you're, if it's like less than three seconds when you're like, nope, not for me like that, it's, it just records everything. So I, I have no yeah. doubt that, yeah. that it would, uh, that it would get to that point. Um, and that would be really, really awesome. I think it's more so a fact that like I spend enough time on social media that I don't need another thing. <laughs> okay. Another, so, so yeah. here's my, you know, it's more so that. Here's my, my counterpoint to that is uh, uh, TikTok is a lot less toxic than Facebook. And what it did for me yes. was it uh, replaced my time spent on Facebook with uh, happy dancing videos uh, because I too don't, I only have so much time <laughs> and so much brain space. No, and, yeah. and, and, and I told, I mean, and again, I get that. I mean, I think for the, for the Facebook stuff, like my Facebook right now is full of um star trek memes and oh. star wars <laughs> i know you send me star wars yeah, memes from jesus <laughs> yeah i do send a lot um and a lot of wrestling so uh yeah no i i think it's i think it's totally fine to 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 cultivate all this stuff so i'll tell you how disconnected i've come to just like modern news and stuff like that apparently some like some girl got kidnapped this week in, yep. in the u.s well, this is what I've been told. Disappeared. I barely heard about it. Yeah. Okay. So my boss was texting me about it, and I just was like, I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. He goes, it's on. <laughs> he goes, it's on every news station. I was like, I don't watch the news. He goes, it's on everybody's like social media. I was like, I was like, if it's not Star Trek, I'm not seeing it. Like, I just, I don't know what to tell you. Um. So that's how that's how much I've cultivated my uh my timelines is that that i will say there was a couple memes that came across me that i didn't understand at all but now i think i might have an idea so i was like i was like oh yeah i think they talked about some kidnapping a white girl like yeah. all right like that makes sense like you know <laughs> but um but i'm very disconnected from from all that stuff now it's like i feel like bill belichick like i just i, don't, I have great. no idea what's going on in, in the modern world yeah <laughs> i mean so, good i guess i think it's great ignorance is bliss but you know if, if it's that if it's that important it will reach me if it if it's that important like if it's going to affect me it's going to reach me some girl getting kidnapped or whatever i doesn't matter i don't care it's just it, it that has no bearing on my life whatsoever yeah, so fair. it's not gonna it's not gonna reach me it didn't reach me um it's but, like okay, what I say so when 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 uh, when people uh, call me and I don't recognize the number. I'm like, eh, if it's important, they'll leave a message, or they'll right, text yeah. me. Exactly, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> right, they'll text me. They'll find a they'll find yeah. a way to to send me a message. I'm very available. That's right. Um, okay, so let's wrap up. We'll wrap up the dope follows. Mine is uh, so I, I know I alluded to it earlier today. Is mine is actually a glass, and it is the Norlin whiskey glass. Um, this oh. was a gift to me from one of, uh, one of my, one of my buddies, Brandon Leon. Uh, he was talking about it when we were doing a rum tasting a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, hey, that sounds really great. He actually went and bought me a couple, which is amazing. Um, it's a very cool glass and I will be the first one to admit as long as it holds liquid, I'm okay with that vessel. I don't need it to be the bells and whistles and stuff. I'm not a huge Glencairn fan because I, I don't like the fact how small the opening is on top of the Glencairn, but um, yeah. I prefer a much wider a wider glass uh, when it comes to that. But this one's really cool because it's double walled. 
So um, you actually don't actually have any any heat going on to onto liquid itself. So it stays at it stays at the right temperature. Um, you can check out this really cool glass at at their Instagram is Norling Glass. Um, and what they did was they worked with Jim McEwen. And for those who are uninitiated, uh, Jim McEwen was at Bowmore for years, and then he was the guy who resurrected Brooklotti. Um, Brooklotti is one of my all-time favorite whiskeys in some here, of the things that he came out with, whether it was Black Art or um, the the Hundred Percent Isla, or maybe the Hundred Percent. I think he called that Hundred Percent Barley one, um, as well as a couple of other really, 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 really great expressions. Um, Jim has since retired, but I've heard he's doing some stuff in Australia. But either way, they created this really, really dope glass. Uh, it's Northern Whiskey Glass. So thank you to Brandon Leon. You are a saint and a scholar. This thing is fucking dope. I love it. Um, and in each one, it actually comes in a whiskey tin as well. So like that tube that you see oh, a lot nice. of like single malts come in. And so it comes with two. And then it also comes with one of those um, – fiber towels and you can polish your glass before each each pouring so um so i am drinking the cognac out of it which i probably should have broken it in with a whiskey but i'm i'm doing the cognac uh which i think is still equally as effective but it's super super delicious and again that's going to be norlin glass so norlin is n-o-r-l-a-n g-l-a-s-s northern glass so check that out they do some really cool stuff they have different types of glasses but the one that i have is the whiskey glass and it's just it's awesome i don't need more glassware but this was a very welcome addition to the collection nice nice Music for the Good Bottle Podcast is orchestrated by the uh, Moore Brothers and produced uh, relatively well today uh, by us two guys. Before we go and kill the bottles that uh, the other guys have been drinking, we ask that if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. You can also follow us on Instagram or Facebook at the Good Bottle Podcast or on our personal accounts. Mine is DGarrison6, Chris is Kristen Flair. Chad, where can they find you on the social medias? Uh, personal on Instagram is Midtown Chad Brown. Uh, for modified syrups, it is modified underscore syrup underscore co nine one six. You can also support this podcast by visiting our Etsy shop. So just go to Etsy, look up Good Bottle Bottle uh, Good Bottle Podcast, and you'll find shirts. You can be a self-proclaimed blues pundit. You can get yourself a nice coffee mug, and of course infamous fanny pack it can be yours just go out and get it um you can also check out anchor.fm slash good bottle podcast that way we can buy chris his own norland whiskey class yeah <laughs> if you would like for us to cover a story or if you're working with a brand that wants to be featured please email us at the good bottle podcast at gmail.com and as a reminder, you can purchase the bottles that we drink on this episode, as well as Chad Chad syrup. Chad syrup is on. Is that the good bottle shop? You can get it. No, not yet. Yeah. Not is yet. it? No, not yet. It's <laughs> there. samples. We, we have samples. It. I got samples. Go samples. sample it there, and then buy it. Third party yes. at thegoodbottleshop.com. But until next time, D- get in my DMs. 
Yeah, slide into slide into Chad's DMs. Slide up in there. All right, chill. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, Cheers. guys. Chris, you're a terrible friend.